Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Amen. Never gets old, never runs out. There's not a diminished supply. There's plenty. Amen. And I tap into that on a regular basis. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord on a rainy Sunday morning? Yeah. How many of you know what time of the year it is? State Fair, because it always rains on State Fair Day, right? So we knew. We didn't even have to look at the calendar. It's it's gone, but we're glad and thankful that you rolled out of bed and if you had a tin roof, I know it would be really hard to roll out of bed. Some of y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. Some of y'all have no clue what I'm even talking about. Tin roof and rain. Sleeping pill right there. That equates sleeping for days. And so uh, I'm glad you're here. Glad you don't have a tin roof this morning. Well, David said that God made us fearfully and wonderfully. He made us. Jeremiah must have understood that because later Jeremiah declares, hey, I've got this revelation that before I was ever even formed, before I was ever even fashioned, God, you not only knew me, but you created me. And, and, and you did it in such a way that, that I'm in awe of who you are. So even David, David understood it. Jeremiah understood it. We understand that our natural bodies were formed by God using biological systems that carry out specific functions. We talked about that a little bit last week. You don't have to think about breathing. You don't have to think about blinking. You don't have to think about any of that because we were created. Those biological systems were created to continue the process without you thinking about it. These systems are necessary for you to live. These systems are necessary for us to function. Our physical body literally survives by maintaining those systems and at times, restoring those systems. Well, uh, God created the body, and it was so perfect that then when God wants to talk to us about the spiritual body, the church, that Jesus came and established, this was not man's idea. Man didn't sit around in a room and go, I think the church would be a good idea. Jesus established the church, and when he shows up and establishes the church, God looks for a visual representation of how the church is supposed to function, and he reverts back to the physical body as that representation because he did it so well. And exactly like our physical body, our spiritual body consists of individuals and relationships that carry out specific functions. You have a specific function that we need as part of the body for us to survive and to maintain and for our systems to be restored. You have to fulfill your function. Touch your neighbor and say, you've got a function. You've got a function. You've got a role to play. Paul tells us this, he comes on the scene and he gets this revelation about the body. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 25, he reiterates this. He says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see 
and the parts we don't. You're all essential. You all have a function. And so we've been attempting to confront one of the five principalities that I talked to you about on July the 5th. We've been dealing with the principality or the principle of isolation. You were not created to be by yourself. You are not designed to function by yourself. You are designed and created to be in relationship. And so we've been dealing with that. And so last week we said that our survival and our significance is directly tied to our connectedness. And so in week number one, Pastor Woody challenged you to be connected. However, how many of you know that being connected is only surface level? You can come here for 15 years and be connected and still only be connected at surface level. And so last week I came and I said, listen, connected is great and we want you to be connected. But the, the role or the goal that God has called us to is to move beyond connected in the covenant. You have got to find somebody in this body that you join yourself to in covenant. Because so many of us walk around putting covenant expectations on convenient relationships. And when we put our expectation on convenient relationships, we are frustrated and they are frustrated because you cannot demand the fruit of covenant out of convenience. I'm preaching already, and you're looking at me like I'm up here by myself. Too many of us want to put expectations on simple relationships of convenience. It's just convenient. I just see you on Sunday, and I never have anything else to do with you until next Sunday. But then when I get here Sunday, and I'm going through a bad day, I want you to respond to my need. Hey, baby, that ain't going to work because that's a relationship of convenience. And I told you there is fruit of relationship of covenant. And you only get the fruit of covenant when you are in covenant. I can't even get to my notes. I, I, I just sense that some of you still just conveniently walk in here Sunday after Sunday. Never pick up a phone. Never pick up Facebook. Never Twitter. Never email. Never text one another. And then you wonder why you're frustrated and they're frustrated. And when you went through a bad day, nobody checked on you because you only have relationships of convenience. That only happens when you're in a relationship of covenant. And I got one that's right and nobody else cares. All right. Covenant produces fruit in the body. That's why when we are truly connected and when we enter into covenant relationship that Paul comes onto the scene in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 25. He says this. Here, here we go. Here's where we're going this morning. This does not happen out of relationships of convenience. This happens out of relationships of covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, uh, he, he talks about the, the body functioning like the physical body, but then he moves into verse 26. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says this. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt, check this out, and in the healing. Just thought that was the pastor's job. Are y'all here this morning? Okay, I just want to make sure. I, I know it's sleepy weather, but wake up. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. In other words, what Paul is saying is he's saying that when you get connected in covenant, when you get into that level, we come to this place where when I hurt, you're not immune to my pain. You feel my pain. You feel my heartache. You feel my distress. And you rally around me knowing that because you're in covenant with me, you're not immune to what I'm going through. Anybody in that kind of relationship? 
Then he goes on and he makes this statement. He says, not only that, when, you're, when you see your other per, the other person that you're in covenant with blessed and successful and experiencing favor, I don't get jealous of that. I don't become envious of that and say, that was my raise they got. That was my blessing they got. I'm going to pray against that because I should have got that. I've been sowing for that. No, instead, I become your cheerleader. I see you blessed. I see you highly favored. I see you exalted. And I'm standing on the sidelines going, that's my man right there. That's my man right there. That's my woman right there. That's my bro right there. That's my sister right there. They're being blessed, and I'm excited about it. I'm happy about it because when they're blessed, Guess who else is blessed? I'm blessed. That's, that takes a new level of relationship. That doesn't happen in relationships of convenience. That happens birth out of covenant. Well, Paul out of that says that if we keep working towards that kind of a body, that kind of function in the body, there are other instructions that he gives us out of that. If we, if we can reach that level, which is a, is a long reach for some of us, but if we can ever get to that level, then there are further instructions that he gives us. He says in 2 Corinthians, in, in the first chapter, in verse 3 and through 5, he says this, he says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. In a different version, all praise to God, the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us along someone else, alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Covenant relationship. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Carry each other's burdens. Listen to this statement. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, in what way? When you carry somebody else's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We're going to come back to that in a second. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. These are all instructions Paul's been giving. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Encourage one another and build one another up. So did you catch it? Paul, after he's been admonishing these different churches and us to function as a body, to where I, I hurt when you hurt and I rejoice when you rejoice, he comes along and he declares that, here it is, comfort is a two-way street. Two-way street. Are you listening this morning? Two-way street. Too many of us receive comfort, but we also consume comfort. We, we want comfort, but we never turn and comfort anyone else. We, we are so self-consumed that we are only concerned about getting out of our own trouble, and we never stop to consider this fact. We have been comforted so that we can become a comforter. That's what Paul said. 
There's a reason that Jesus comforts you when you're going through difficult times. There is a reason that God comes alongside of you and rescues out of difficult situations and difficult days and struggles and obstacles and, and all this stuff. There's a reason that what stopped other people doesn't stop you. Some of y'all been through some stuff. Some of y'all been through some hard times. Some of y'all been through some difficult seasons. And Jesus came alongside you and comforted you during those moments and allowed you to overcome that season. Do you know why? So that when you see somebody in the body going through a difficult season, you are trained. You are equipped. You are a first-hand ex encounter and experience from, I know God brought me through this and it should have stopped me, but now I see you going through this and I can come alongside you and now I can offer you the same comfort that I received. It's time for us to realize that we are commanded to be a comforter to somebody else. I wonder this morning if maybe there are moments in this experience we call Christianity and salvation and being part of a body. I wonder if there are times, moments that we are waiting on the Holy Spirit to live up to his name. Who was the Holy Spirit? Comforter. We're waiting on the Holy Spirit to live up to his name. And the Holy Spirit is waiting on us to live up to our calling. Let that one sink in. That's a tweet right there for you. You ought to tweet it right now. Some of y'all been sitting around waiting on the Holy Spirit to bring comfort to so-and-so. I know they're going through a difficult time. Holy Spirit, we get in our prayer closet. Oh, Holy Spirit, live up to your name. S send them comfort. They're going through a difficult time. And you don't feel like God's done anything and he's already done what he was going to do because what he was going to do was show you that you are called and commanded to become the comforter on assignment to them. You are called to comfort. Elbow your neighbor right now and say, you, you're called to comfort. You're called to comfort. Paul goes on and he goes this far. He says this. He says, when we comfort someone, we are literally fulfilling the law of Christ. What was the law of Christ? Do you remember? The, the religious rulers came to Jesus and they said, tell us what are the great, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus lays down the law. He says this. He says, number one, you love God with all your mind, heart, strength, soul, all that good stuff. And then he says, then you love your neighbor as yourself. Remember? That's the law of Christ. Literally what he is saying is that when you're functioning in the body and you are expressing out of your mouth love for God, you validate your love and you show your ability to love God through your willingness to carry somebody that's in trouble and that's going through a struggle. That's the law. That's how you fulfill the law of Christ. We've got it all backwards in the church. We think that the law of Christ is we just come in here and worship and tell God he's good. And then we ignore our neighbor when they're going through a bad day. Man, it is quiet in here. Paul demands that our hands are involved in comforting and our mouth. He demands that our hands back up what our mouth is saying. And then he also demands that our mouth back up our hands. Because how many of you know that there are some times that our mouth doesn't back up what we do with our hands and vice versa? 
Okay, it's going to get tight in here. Because Paul describes the complete package where we carry and we comfort with our hands and we carry and and comfort with our mouth. So in other words, what he's saying is when we walk into the body, when not just on Sunday, when we're dealing and interacting with one another, I want you to comfort me with your mouth. I want you to say, hey, bro, I see you going through a tough time, and I'm praying for you. I want you to do that. You know why I want you to do that? Some people say, I don't want you to just tell me you're praying for me. I want you to pray for me because there are some things going on in my life that you can't do nothing about. Okay, I'm the only one. It wouldn't matter if you emptied out your bank account. It wouldn't matter if you came and visited me every day. It wouldn't matter if you talked to me every morning and every night before I went to sleep. There are things going on in my life that you have no ability to resolve. I want you to open up your mouth and say, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Don't discount that. But Paul comes on the scene and says, not only do I want you to encourage one another and edify one another, I want you to get your hands dirty. Because there are some things going on in my life that you have the answer for, and God's response is not out of the heaven somewhere, it's through you. And so he's saying, I don't want, I, I need some talkers in my life that have no ability to do anything but pray for me. And I need some doers in my life. I need some helpers in my life. I need somebody that will do more than just pray. If you have the ability to rescue me, then God has you on an assignment to rescue me. Quit waiting on God to send angels. He sent you. So talk to me if all you can do is pray and tell me you're praying. But if you can do more than pray, do it. I'm preaching and Peter jumps into this discussion and this is instruction. And he says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. He says this. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Don't just see each other on Sunday morning. Talk about the ball game. Don't just come together occasionally and talk about the state fair. Love each other deeply. Deeply. Because, here's why, love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. Hands and mouth, have got to get in agreement. Without grumbling. I'll come back in a minute. Y'all ain't ready, so I'll come back in a minute. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What Peter says. Peter's saying that for the body to function properly, we must walk deeply in love. Notice the order. It is when we walk deeply in love that then room is made for our gift. He never mentions your gift until first he says walk together in deep love. He is literally saying this. Some of us want to use our gift, but we never walk deeply in love. And how many of you know as anointed as your gift is? People will not receive your gift if they don't know how much you love them. In fact, they will be annoyed by your gift. I'm glad you got the gift of prophecy, but if you're not in relationship with me, I don't want you to come up into my face and say, Thus saith the Lord, blah, 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 and go off on me, because I'm probably going to show you the, the door. Because love prepares and makes room for the gift. Too many of us just want to exercise our gift and people shut us down and they close us out because they need to know about the love first. Too many of us want to go beyond just our gift. We want to go to next week because next week, I already told you what we're going to do. We're going to talk about confrontation next week. But we pass over this portion first because how many of you know Peter said love deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. 
You, in other words, it doesn't condone and it doesn't ignore, but it does cover. Some of us just want to confront and love always demands a confrontation because I can't stand by and watch you make horrible decision after horrible decision out of my love and my relationship and my covenant with you. I am under a mandate that when I see you jacking your whole life up, I got to come alongside of you and say something. But Peter instructs us first, before we get to do that, we got to show love. Comfort precedes confrontation. I didn't like getting spankings from my daddy, but I took them. You know why? Because I knew he loved me. If I love you, I have to confront you, but confrontation comes after carrying you and comforting you. Isn't that why Jesus operated? He would heal and forgive. He would love and he would carry, and then he would confront. You think about it, the woman that was caught in adultery, he didn't confront her first. He rescued her first. He carried her first. He comforted her her first. How many of you know it would have been very difficult for Jesus to confront her first when rocks are about to hit her in the head? Somebody's got to step in and rescue me first. He carries her, he comforts her, then go and sin no more because I know you're not living like you should be living. We get the order out of whack and then we wonder why people won't listen you'll remember last week that i talked to you about scars the fact that one of the signs of a covenant is scars that we become comfortable with each other's scars and that we become cheerleaders of each other's scars because if i have a scar it just means that i was with people that allowed me to heal but part of that healing process is this i gotta have somebody that loves me through it willing to confront me next week but first will extend to me great grace and comfort so that I even want to be healed. It's a combination. Hands and mouth have to get in agreement. How many of you know there are times that while you comfort with your hands and you're, and you're helping with your hands, your mouth is going to want to go off? Have you ever been there? Uh, you're helping. You're assisting. You're carrying, you're comforting with your hands, and your mouth is going to want to go off. I can't believe they lived like this. I can't believe they did this again. I would have never imagined how in the world, how stupid do you have to be? How big of an idiot do you have to be to do this again? I helped you last month, and now here you are again. And our mouth won't get in agreement with our hands. Paul is saying, look, you've got to get them together. Peter comes along, and he says, you've got to practice hospitality without grumbling in other words when you're carrying people with your hands words are going to come up in your mind and in your mouth and you are going to have to swallow your words and say no no i'm going to get my mouth in cooperation with my hands and it's going to be a package deal and while i'm helping you with my hands my mouth is going to come into agreement and i'm going to encourage you and i'm going to edify you you're better than this baby you can do this better i'm here again helping you with my hands but listen to me i i love you you're more than this there's more in you i hate to see you in this trouble how can i there's an account that i want to take you to i'm not going to read it to you because you know it so well but i think Without a doubt, 
this account in Matthew chapter 9, and in Mark chapter 2, and in Luke chapter 4, it is the most astounding example of love and compassion and concern and determination probably in the Gospels. I believe that without a doubt it is the quintessential picture of how the body should operate. It, it literally embodies what I'm talking about today. It is the premier example. You know it very well. It's four men who out of love for their friend and their brother who is broken makes up their mind that their hands and their mouth are going to get in cooperation and they're going to function according to the way the body should function and they're going to get him to Jesus. You know that account. Very interesting account. The Bible says that this man that was sick had palsy. That literally means he was paralyzed. I got just some, just some thoughts here. When you run into people that are paralyzed, that means that somebody has to be willing to carry them. They can't get there on their own. How many of us run into people who are paralyzed by fear? and paralyzed by shame, and paralyzed by anger, and paralyzed by all this stuff, and we watch them in their paralyzed state, and we never take any action to get them to Jesus. They cannot get there on their own. I got nobody to put me in the pool. And then they pick him up. And out of desperation, they try to get him to Jesus, and they run into obstacles that keep them from getting him to Jesus. Guess what they ran into? People. When you begin to reach out in the body and begin to help one another and carry one another, you will probably run into some obstacles, and they will probably be people. Other people will try to keep you other people will try to discourage you. Other people will say, you're silly. I saw somebody else help them two months ago and they wasted it. Obstacles. You got to get past people to help people. Okay. Then they're forced to extend even more effort and energy than they even intended to extend. They had they'd made up their mind, we're going to carry him to Jesus, but they couldn't get in the door. So now they've got to go out of their way and extend even more energy and more effort. Word. Some of y'all have already gone out of your way. But it may require more energy and effort than you had planned on. I'm preaching this. I know I'm on this because y'all are just looking at me. They were so desperate to help that they refused to give up in their attempts to get him to Jesus. How many of us have tried once and quit? How many of us have carried once and given up? I helped them one time. I will not help them again. They, they dig through the roof and they lower this man to Jesus so that he can be healed and find hope. How many of you understand that there are days that we need to be carried to Jesus? Anybody ever been there when you couldn't get there on your own? You weren't able physically, emotionally, spiritually to make the move towards Jesus and somebody else had to come and assist you? There are days you will need to be carried to Jesus. There are more days when I need to get my own mind off of me and look around me and recognize that there are people all around me that are paralyzed and I was comforted so that now I can become a comforter and pick them up and assist them. 
and bring them to Jesus. I would declare to you this morning that the body is functioning at its very best when we carry broken, messed up, hurtful, and hurt, heavy people to Jesus. We are never more in cooperation with the head of the body than we are when we carry folks to him. The word says that Jesus makes this powerful statement. It says, Jesus, seeing the faith of the four men, heals their friend. So let me give you five clues about carrying and comforting that you need to keep in mind because I am assigning you to begin to carry one another and comfort one another. You need to keep these five things in mind as you do it. Number one, people get to Jesus because of people. Jesus, Julie said it this morning. People need Jesus with skin on. The man get, I'm convinced that the man got to Jesus before he ever got to Jesus. I am convinced that the man met Jesus and four friends. They were operating under the request, the command, the compassion that God gives. And they, they come into contact with Jesus before they ever got to contact Jesus. People get to Jesus because of people. Okay. When we act like Jesus, people get to Jesus. This is why we carry. Listen. It does us no good week after week to give salvation call to a bunch of Christians. The goal is is for you to get in relationship with people all week long and them meet Jesus in you so that they want to go where you go and do what you do and they roll in here on Sunday morning because of you and when they get here, they suddenly come to the understanding there's a Jesus and I met him this week in the office but now he's really right here and I can receive him and my life is turned around. People get to Jesus because of people. Two, we have to carry them to the right one. We're not just to carry them to good advice. We don't just call, carry them to getting their bill paid. We're not just carrying them to food. We, we are carrying people to Jesus. The, the reason that people become dependent on us is because we fail to carry them to the right one. This is the where we carry them. We are assigned to carry people to Jesus. I don't want you to become dependent on me. I want you to understand that I'm only doing what I'm doing. I'm only giving you food. I'm only helping you with the bill. I'm only helping you get to the doctor. I'm only taking you to the grocery store. I'm only doing what I'm doing because I want you to meet who I've met. Third, carrying others isn't convenient. What I'm calling to you to do, what Paul called us to do, and what Peter's called us to do, is to get our hands dirty. You will be called to help carry people, and their mess will make you want to run. Ever been there? When you wade into their issue, you suddenly realize just how messed up they really are. And you go, ooh, I don't know if I want to be involved in this, man. This is yucky, stinky, messy. I'm afraid it's going to run off on me. I think their stupidity may be contagious. I, 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 I just I don't want any of that to rub off and brush off on me. I don't know if I want to spend any time around them. But carrying others is never convenient.
That's how we carry. We carry in spite of inconvenience. We carry in spite of what it costs. Because we want to get them to Jesus. Fourth, and this one's one we don't like. Those that you carry may never thank or repay you. I challenge you to go back into the Word in these, these three accounts, Matthew 9, Mark 2, Luke 4, and you find one time that this man who couldn't get to Jesus on his own, who watched his friends dig a hole in a roof and lowered them, him to Jesus so that he could be healed, you go find one time, one account where it says, and he went and found his four friends and he thanked them and said, I'm friends for life. I'll pay you back. I, you got, I'm with you forever. Anything you need, man, you just, No. There is no account of him ever saying thank you. There is no account of him ever expressing any gratitude. There is no account of him ever repaying anything that they did. Who had to pay for the house to be repaired? We don't know. Because if they torn a hole in my roof, somebody paying for this. Right? We cannot allow lack of thanks to produce a lack of caring. The real question is this, and this is a difficult question, but we've got to ask it and answer it for ourselves as we start this path of carrying one another. Here's the question. The real question is, do we, do we want praise or do we want Jesus to get the praise? Because if I will only carry you if you can pay me back and I will only comfort you so that you will thank me, then what I'm really saying is I want you to, to praise me. I need you to tell me thank you. And if you don't tell me thank you, then God help you because I ain't never helping you again. Well, what if out of your help, even if they never say thank you to you, for the first time in their life, their eyes go up and they go, God, thank you. I was so desperate and I was hopeless and I was about to give it. But they never send me a thank you card. They never bought me a gift card to Starbucks. I went out of my stinking way. I didn't eat for two days because I gave them everything I had in my refrigerator. I didn't get to go to the movies because I gave them the money for that I would normally use for the movies, and now I didn't get to go. Okay, it's quiet in here, but I'm just telling you, we allow lack of thanking and gratitude to keep us from caring so people go uncomforted. I'll move. Number five, Jesus responds to the faith of friends. Get that in your spirit. Jesus responded to the faith of his friends. The Bible says that Jesus healed this man due to the faith of his friends. doesn't say one word about the man's faith that was sick. His response to the need had nothing to do with the sick man's faith. A lot of the people that God's going to call you to carry and comfort won't have any faith. But Jesus responds to the four men, the friends. Perhaps we don't see anybody that's sick and broken and pained being healed, not because of their lack of faith, but our lack of faith, which is revealed in the fact that we won't carry or comfort them. You understand what I'm saying? We want them to respond by faith 
Jesus is watching our faith. And when we go out of our way to pick them up and comfort them, it reveals to God, hey, we believe that you are who you say you are. And they don't even know they need you. They don't even know that, that you can help them. But when I help them, suddenly they're going to see Jesus through me. And you're going to respond to my faith and change their world. How many of you know that uh, every house reflects the nature of its owner? Like when you come to my house, it reflects the nature of the owner. Like there's not going to be OSU stuff in my house. Unless you're wearing it, then I'll invite you in for a little while. There is a time limit. But, no, but, but every house reflects its owner. Your style, your personality, your likes, your dislikes. What I'm saying to you is simply this. This house should clearly reflect the nature of its owner. The nature of the owner of this house is simply this. He's a carrier. He's a comforter. And because we know that as residents of this house, and I'm not talking about this building, I'm talking about this house, then when we carry in comfort, we are reflecting the nature of our owner. So my question in closing is this. Who are you carrying? Who are you comforting? Oh, I know you have needs. Please don't misunderstand. I know you walked in here and you walk around in this body and you have needs and you have issues. I get that. But who are you carrying and who are you comforting? In fact, I would submit to you that there's a very real likelihood that God will never allow anybody to carry or comfort you until you first reach out and carry and comfort someone else. And I don't know why that is. There's just this old teaching about sowing and reaping. We violate principles and don't understand why we can't get different results. The principle is this, out of my own need, when I see you in need, I reach out and I comfort and I carry you. And God then in turn assigns someone to me. Who are you carrying? Who are you comforting? Whose need are you so tuned into and so sensitive to that you'll go out of your way, extend unnecessary, in some people's minds, efforts to show them the love of Jesus? When we begin to operate like that, then we're part of the body. And the body is functioning the way it's supposed to. Father, this morning, I ask you to invade this household, this family, with people who will carry and comfort. God, I ask you for people to, their minds to turn off of themselves long enough not not playing down their own needs I, I, I understand that they too have needs issues, challenges, I get it but Father I'm praying that you would allow us in this body to become less self consumed and we would become more others minded and we would look past our own needs we would even see our need as a seed. I'm planting a seed. When I respond to somebody else's need, I'm planting a seed. Because, God, I know this. What I make happen for others, 
you will make happen for me. And so, God, I pray that you would allow men and women to find their place in the body, their role, their function. I pray that you would assign them to people to carry, to comfort, to encourage with their mouth, and to help with their hands. We recognize, Father, that that takes place in covenant. I ask you to accomplish this. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're here, real quickly, we're not going to tarry long. We're going to move on. But if you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I've got a need in my life. I need someone to carry. I need someone to comfort. Maybe all they have the ability to do today is to pray. But that's nothing small. If they didn't know to pray before they got here and now that you leave here and you got five people praying for you that weren't praying for you, Good gracious, that's a good day. But there may also be somebody in here that God intentionally assigns to you that didn't know you had a need. So this is how we're going to do it. If you're here and you say, Steve, I have a need that I desperately need comfort and I need somebody to help carry me. And I don't know where else to turn. I'm praying that somebody in the body will respond. Would you just lift your hand and hold it up? You don't have to be ashamed. We all. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.